Have you ever wondered exactly how to repent and what happens if you don't? Hi, and welcome to Twain Talk for Latter-day Saints, your questions and clear answers. I'm Tiffany Thomas, and I'm here to help guide you through gospel topics in a way that makes sense to you. It's easy to feel lost when there are so many different voices out there telling you right from wrong. It can be hard to know what to do when you have questions. We're going to take the common gospel questions that you as teens and tweens have and answer the why, what, and how about them. We'll go into the doctrines and principles so you can figure out how to apply them to your own life. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you listen to the first four podcasts in order first, or you'll miss out on a lot and be a little lost. And if you need something to draw or sketch during this podcast while you're listening, I've got some coloring pages on my website, savingtalents.com forward slash podcast. You can also find the references and transcript for this podcast there. And then you can find me, Tiffany, on Instagram and Facebook as Saving Talents or on TikTok as Tween Talk LDS. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I am so glad that you are here to join us this week. Last week, we talked about one of the commandments, keeping the Sabbath day holy. So far in this podcast, we've really only talked about some of what I call the lighter commandments, like saying your prayers, paying tithing, following the prophet. We also talked about the word of wisdom, which is one of the big commandments. And by that, I mean, it's a commandment that can keep you from going to the temple. And we are going to talk about some of the other bigger ones, like the law of chastity, but we can't do that quite yet. Before we do, we need to have a talk about repentance and the consequences of taking the wrong arrow in our flow charts. Remember those blueprints that we made? Now, before we start talking about this, I want to start by saying we all sin. We all make mistakes. So we all have the need to repent. Repentance is a gift. There is no shame in admitting that you need to repent and change. The world would have you think that you're fine as you are. God loves everyone. And that admitting that you need to repent and change is a weakness or something you shouldn't have to do. Satan wants you to think that you can't love yourself and recognize your flaws at the same time, that you can't be confident while also being humble and recognizing where you need to change. But we all need to change. Mosiah chapter three, verse 19 says, for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. Taking the wrong arrow is part of the journey. We all have the natural man in us, the entire purpose of the atonement and the plan of salvation is because 
God knew that every single one of us would sin, not just make mistakes, but actually sin. Elder Dallin H. Oaks wrote, Elder Dallin H. Oaks wrote a great article in the October 1996 Ensign called Sins and Mistakes. In it, he describes the difference between a sin and a mistake. He says, for most of us, most of the time, the choice between good and bad is easy. What usually causes us difficulty is determining which uses of our time and influence are merely good, better, or best. Applying that fact to the question of sins and mistakes, I would say that a deliberately wrong choice in the contest between what is clearly good and what is clearly bad is a sin. But a poor choice among things that are good, better, and best is merely a mistake. He then goes on to say, sins result from willful disobedience of laws we have received by explicit teaching or by the Spirit of Christ, which teaches every man the general principles of right and wrong. For sins, the remedy is to chasten and encourage repentance. Mistakes result from the ignorance of God's Mistakes result from ignorance of the laws of God or the workings of the universe or people he has created. For mistakes, the remedy is to correct the mistake, not to condemn the individual. Now, whether it's a mistake or a sin, your imperfections do need to be repented of, and that is the purpose of this podcast, to discuss how we repent. But let's talk about the doctrine first. We need to talk about why we need to repent. In the second episode of this podcast series, we talked all about how Christ paid the price for our sins. He asks us to follow his path in return, which includes repenting each time we make a sin or a mistake. But we have to admit when we sin. We have to recognize it to God and to whomever we may have injured. If we're not willing to own up to it and change, then it's not really repentance. The world tries so, so hard to get you to justify your behavior. Things like, I know I shouldn't have gotten so angry and yelled, but you did this awful thing. Or maybe... Yeah, I said it about her, but it's the truth. Or even, you're good as you are. You don't need to change. The world has made it increasingly difficult to recognize in your The world has made it increasingly difficult to recognize your sins and mistakes in a healthy way and then actively work on improving them. And if you try to talk about your own desires for growth with someone who doesn't have the same application as you, like keeping the Sabbath day holy, for example, then they feel like you're being judgmental and you feel like you can't talk about it. Did you know that the prophet Nephi foresaw this? 
In 2 Nephi chapter 28, he talks about the last days, and that's us. Remember how we talked about in our priesthood episode that this is the last dispensation before Christ comes? So Nephi saw our day, and he says in 2 Nephi chapter 28, verses 7 through 9, Yea, and there shall be many which will say, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die and it shall be well with us. And there shall also be many which shall say, eat, drink, and be merry. Nevertheless, fear God. He will justify in committing a little sin. Yea, lie a little, take advantage of one because of his words, dig a pit for thy neighbor. There is no harm in this. And do all these things for tomorrow we die, and if it so be that we are guilty, God will beat us with a few stripes, and at last we shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Yea, and there shall be many which shall teach after this manner, false and vain and foolish doctrines, and shall be puffed up in their hearts, and shall seek deep, and shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord, and their work shall be in the dark. This whole chapter of 2 Nephi chapter, this whole chapter of 2 Nephi 28 is actually pretty amazing. And I would read it to you in its entirety if I didn't know that you would probably just turn this podcast off. And since I don't want you to do that, I'm going to skip down to verses 20 and 21. It says, For behold, at that day, he meaning Satan, shall rage in the hearts of the children of men and stir them up to anger against that which is good. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. We need to recognize our imperfections, our mistakes, and our sins, and call them for what they are. When you willingly decide to not read your scriptures because you're too tired, that's a sin. Granted, it doesn't seem like a big sin like vaping, but it is still a sin. So how do we repent? My kids watch the TV show, Daniel Tiger, which is about a cartoon tiger in the land of make-believe from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. In each episode, Daniel Tiger learns a different important life lesson, usually as a little song. In one episode, Daniel learns how to make corrections when he messes up. And since he's like four years old, it happens a lot. The little song goes, saying I'm sorry is the first step, then how can I help? Daniel Tiger learns that it's not enough just to say that he's sorry about something, but he has to help make it better afterwards. We sing that one a lot in my house. The gospel is actually the same way. Saying I'm sorry isn't enough. Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verse 43 says, By this ye may know if a man repenteth of his sins, 
Behold, he will confess and forsake them. But right before that, in verse 42, is this glorious promise. Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven. And I, the Lord, remember them no more. Isn't that so great? On judgment day, when we're sitting down at that table discussing our placement into which kingdom we'll go to, the Lord isn't even going to bring up the sins that we've repented of. But what about the sins and mistakes that are so, so hard to forsake? Forsake means give up, by the way. And I'm not just talking about addictions, but the little daily things like losing your patient and yelling, like losing your patience and yelling at your siblings, or maybe fighting with your parents. And you try and you try and you do try, but you just can't be perfect. And it seems like you'll never get it. This is where daily repentance comes into play. Unlike what Daniel Tiger says, repentance is actually more than just saying you're sorry and trying to help fix it. The Bible dictionary defines repentance as a change of mind and heart that gives us a fresh view about God, about ourselves, and about the world. Repentance is about changing our minds and our hearts to become in line with the will of God. Repentance is not just kneeling down and asking for forgiveness. All that it is part of, although that is part of it. And contrary to what you hear in primary, repentance isn't a sequential order of events. You don't first kneel down and apologize in prayer, and then second, apologize to the person, and then the third, not do it anymore. It's a process. There are several different aspects of repentance, but they can all be happening simultaneously. This is probably best explained with an example. So let's use the example that you're fighting with your parents. Now, I'm sure that none of you have ever fought with your parents, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure that every single one of us has, including me. But every time it happens, you repent the way we usually think of repentance. You say a prayer, even if it's in your head, and ask Heavenly Father to forgive you and help you do better. And then you apologize to the person and you make restitution. And, you know, that's a fancy word for making it better. And then you seek out scriptures on that topic. You want to learn more about patience, about kindness, about how we're all children of God. And you ask the Lord to help change you. In your prayer, you don't just apologize, but you ask him to help change your heart to be more like his and less like the natural man. Over time, if you're deliberate with this, you'll find that you mess up a lot less frequently. You'll be calmer when you talk to your parents. You'll find ways to make it work rather than just getting offended or turning it into a fight. 
So how do you know if you're forgiven then? Contrary to popular belief, if you sin, like fighting with your parents, repent, and then do it again the next day, you are not bringing back the weight of all your prior sins. I actually got taught that a lot growing up. The reason that's not totally accurate is because God is judging you on your heart and on your efforts. We talked about the Holy Spirit of promise several weeks ago, right? The Holy Ghost will seal our efforts. And remember what else we talked about a few weeks ago? The Holy Ghost won't guilt you about your mistakes. You see, the gospel is a message of hope. It's the knowledge that you can change. And it's the comfort and assurance that God will help you in that process if you want it. Elder Ted R. Callister gave a talk in the April 2019 General Conference called The Atonement of Jesus Christ, where he said, even though we may believe in Christ's cleansing powers, the question often arises, how do I know if I have been forgiven of my sins? If we feel the spirit, then that is our witness that we have been forgiven or that the cleansing process is taking place. Also, President Henry B. Eyring taught in a CES fireside at BYU in September 2006 that if you have felt the influence of the Holy Ghost today, you may take it as evidence that the atonement is working in your life. Repentance and being forgiven of sins is more than just kneeling down one time and asking for forgiveness. It's about changing your natural man and becoming more like God. Our regular daily sins, <clears throat> our regular daily sins require regular daily repentance. Let's say that you go outside to play and you come back covered in mud. Your mom helps you clean up and you apologize. And she says, let's just try not to get so dirty tomorrow. And you go outside and play again the next day and you try really hard, but you still get a mud on you. But it's not as much mud as the day before because you were trying. That's what it's like. And God will clean you up over and over again as long as you go out the next day trying hard to not get the mud on you. And with practice, you'll eventually be able to play outside without mud. Now, the analogy isn't perfect, but I hope you get the idea. Like I said, it's about changing your natural man. The Lord rewards your efforts. Your regular daily sins and mistakes require regular daily repentance. Now, what about our bigger sins? I said earlier that there are some lighter commandments, but there are also some bigger or heavier commandments. These commandments include the law of chastity, violations of the law, like if you are a thief 
or you commit fraud and other serious sins. And these require you to repent with the help of the bishop. Now, I can hear you now, but why do I have to talk to the bishop? Shouldn't this be between me and God? It's none of the bishop's business. I actually hear comments like that all the time from both youth and adults, and it always makes me so sad. You see, the world has gotten into this phase of saying, don't judge me, being judgmental isn't being Christ-like. And in some ways, they're right. But in other ways, they're wrong. And we're going to talk about being judgmental and judging others in another podcast. But right now, I specifically want to focus on the bishop. Remember how we talked about the priesthood a while ago? Well, being a bishop is a priesthood calling. It's an office with keys. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 107, verse 74, the Lord teaches us that the bishop is called to be a judge, even a common judge among the inhabitants of Zion. Common means regularly. Guys, it's the bishop's job to make judgments about righteousness and worthiness. It's not just something that he can do, but it's actually something that he has to do. He has been given that stewardship, that responsibility. Just like when a person becomes a teacher and goes to teach at school, it's not that they get the chance to teach, it's they're responsible for teaching kids. And if the end of the year comes and the kids never learned anything, the teacher gets fired because they didn't do their job. That's the bishop's job. On judgment day, he himself will be judged on whether or not he judged others and whether he did it correctly and with compassion. Now, judging someone is not the same thing as condemning them. The bishop doesn't have the right to condemn you, which means telling you that you're not going to go to the social kingdom. But he does have the responsibility to help you keep your covenants and to learn about God and the atonement. When the bishop was given his priesthood calling, he was given the keys to understand what must be done to help us fully repent of serious sins. The bishop actually can't forgive us of anything. That's God's job. But the bishop has the responsibility to guide us through knowing when we have been forgiven of serious sins. The bishop has the right and responsibility to determine who is worthy to take the sacrament. And our little everyday sins don't prevent that. If we chose not to read the scriptures one night because we were tired, that's not going to keep you from taking the sacrament on Sunday. But bigger sins do prevent it. Pornography and other aspects of the law of chastity, as well as addictions and violations of the law like burglary, those are things that we need to work through with the bishop. It's actually for our 
own protection. It's not about punishment. We are held responsible to God when we break our covenants and then continue participating in saving ordinances. The bishop is there as a guide to keep us on the path and to help us. So if you're feeling guilty or unworthy about something, please go talk to him. He has the mantle, the stewardship to receive revelation on your behalf when it comes to the repentance process. I know that bishops aren't always perfect, but 99% of them are good men who are trying to serve God. And they do have that calling and the priesthood authority to guide you through repentance. I once had a bishop that I really, really, really didn't like. He and I strongly disagreed over a few things with regards to someone else in the ward. I was a college student and I was an RA in the dorms and a situation occurred where the bishop and I had a tremendous conflict over someone who was in his ward but was a girl who lived under my care as an RA. Several months later, I found myself in a situation where I needed to counsel with my bishop. I didn't want to. I was scared. The bad situation months before had not resolved amicably, and I had avoided my bishop ever since. I was really scared, and I just wanted to wait until the end of the semester, and I could go home and see my bishop at home. But I knew I couldn't wait. The spirit wouldn't let me wait. So I went. To my surprise, he treated me with kindness, respect, and love. Even though he and I did not get along, and we continued to have issues until the end of the semester. When I went to him about the repentance process, he acted the way I imagined the Savior would have acted. And so the bishop has that responsibility. Now that we've talked about repentance, let's talk about what happens afterwards. You see, repentance means that we'll be clean. As we read before, the Lord won't remember our sins but he also can't remove the consequences of our actions. If you break the law of chastity and end up pregnant, you can definitely repent, but God's forgiveness won't suddenly make you not pregnant. If you choose to drink alcohol and drive and get caught by the police, you can repent and be forgiven, but that forgiveness won't keep you from jail or a fine or losing your driver's license. You have your agency. You have the right to choose, but you do not get to change the consequences of that choice. I like to think of it as holding a bouncing ball in your fist, your arm stretched out. You choose whether or not you will let go of the ball, but you do not get to choose what happens afterwards. The ball will follow the laws of gravity and physics no matter what. The only thing that you can control is that initial first choice. That's why some of the heavy commandments are so big and important and require a bishop walking you through it. 
very rarely do we commit a big sin without getting there slowly. And the bishop's help is required to walk us back along those paths to repentance, towards repentance. Those decisions for the big commandments have far-reaching consequences. If you yell at a sibling or don't read your scriptures, it will have far-reaching effects, but it doesn't have the power to completely eliminate entire sections of your flowcharts. Some might be time-sensitive. I know someone whose patriarchal blessing said that he would be a bishop. When he was in his 20s, though, he fell away from the church, and he was gone for about 20 years. He came back in his 40s and stayed active all the way up until he died, but he was never a bishop. That doesn't mean his patriarchal blessing was wrong. It means that he missed out on that opportunity, and his choice to go inactive and leave the church completely removed that entire branch of his flowchart. If you choose to violate commandments like the law of chastity or other serious transgressions, you can repent and you can go to the celestial kingdom, but you also miss out on entire paths you could have followed otherwise. And it is a long path, a long, hard path to get back. And there's nothing you can do to change that. So just, just like that bouncy ball, once you let go, that's it. You can't undo it. You can run after the ball and chase it, but you can't change the path or your new location because of it. So please keep that in mind. Please remember, you can always repent and be forgiven but you can't remove the natural consequences that happen as a result. That's why counseling with the bishop is important. That's why repenting daily and seeking help from the Lord is important. If you're keeping the little commandments, it makes it so much easier to keep the big commandments. After all, if you're reading your scriptures every day and going to church on Sundays and saying your prayers, you're probably not going to wake up tomorrow and decide to rob a bank or kill someone or even go get drunk. The Holy Ghost will be there to warn you when you're going off the path if you're keeping the little commandments. Next week, we're going to talk about one of the really big commandments, the law of chastity. We're actually going to spend several weeks on the law of chastity and each of its different components because there's a lot of it. So in the meantime, I want you to think about repentance. Is there anything in your life that you need to repent of? Should you commit to daily repentance, to improving your prayers and changing your heart and becoming like the Lord? I know I do. Like I said, none of us are perfect, not even me. So let's work on that, and I will see you all next week when we talk about the law of chastity. Thanks for joining me this week on Tween Talk for Latter-day Saints. I hope today's podcast helped you learn the what and why of the gospel questions so that you can figure out the how for yourself. 
If you have any gospel questions you want me to help answer, then just go on over to my website, savingtalents.com forward slash podcast and submit your question. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Saving Talents or on TikTok as Tween Talk LDS. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Tiffany Thomas, giving you clear answers to your gospel questions. Keep praying, and I'll see y'all later.